Welcome into the special NBA trade deadline edition of the Sacramento Kings podcast presented by HoopBall and the HoopBall Podcast Network. I'm your host, Amy Barling. I thank you as always uh, for tuning in and making us a part of your Sacramento Kings coverage. You got any thoughts uh, on today's action? 916-888-5898, whether it's NBA action or Sacramento Kings action alone. Uh, you can send your thoughts this way. Again, that's our 24-7 text line, 916-888-5898. we got a post-game show coming up tomorrow following the Kings and the Heat. But we got my man Aaron Bruski, the leader of HoopBall and the HoopBall Podcast Network, set to join us here. Brew, we're 50 games into the NBA season. We'll get to your thoughts on how things have been going for the Sacramento Kings here in just a moment. But let's start with the news of uh, the NBA trade deadline. Sacramento Kings are uh, getting out of this deal with Dwayne Dedman. They're moving on from him already. Jabari Parker is on his way to Sacramento, as is Alex Lynn. I think they got really lucky here because I really don't know what Atlanta's thinking, um, whether it's from an asset standpoint, from a uh, you know, financial cap standpoint. Like I, I, but that said, so the Kings got lucky, I think, because um, getting rid of that contract, uh, nobody wanted it. Um, you know, maybe in Atlanta, because there's some, you know, they, they know Dwayne and, and maybe they think that they can do something there. But really, I don't think they have too much of a plan for him other than to make sure that Clint Capella stays healthy. So you're already starting to hear over there that Clint Capella is um, it might, he might take the, the rest of the time before the break and, and try to get his heel healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, I mean the Kings with, with Dwayne Dedman, I, I, it was an idea on paper that I think might've looked better than if somebody had watched film of him in Atlanta where he pretty much did the same exact stuff. They used him in the corners a little bit more, um, you know, and, and I do, I do think some of this season, the frustration started piling up and maybe that, that sort of eroded at his game, but by and large, that was what you got defensively. What we're saying is the Sacramento Kings got lucky to get out of a contract that they got into six months ago. They did. And again, but you know, you see this with the Kings, you know, all the time, they sort of, um, you know, they, they broadcast their intentions like six months ahead of time, or, or in the case of Deadman, three months ahead of time and really almost bid against themselves in these situations. Uh, I don't think there was a huge market for Dwayne Deadman last year. And, and they just decided that because he shot three point shots, that he'd be a great fit next to Marvin Bagley. And that, never ended up happening. Um, so to get out from under it at the cost that they got out from under it for, I mean, that, that I mean, heck look at Vlade's deal from many years back, trying to, to get rid of some cap. Yeah. Um, you know, so in this case, there's real, really no damage here. So Boy, I think do that, we grade on a curve here in Sacramento. My goodness. Oh I, God, I, all, know. I guess it's, all things are measured. I guess all things are measured in the Nick Stauskas trade moving forward or, or. I guess that's how we just measure things. Well, it wasn't that bad. You know, I, I feel bad. There's a guy at the who's on the, the Mercedes ads that run during the Kings games that looks exactly like Nick Stauskas. <laughs> keep, keep, it's like, what's Nick, Stous, Nick Stauskas doing right now these days? Keep an eye out for that ad. It'll give you some some relief during during the Kings games. 
Not um, really, not really a part of the deadline, but Trevor Ariza's gone as well. It was, you know, obviously Rashawn Holmes' injury sucks, but he he had been the star of the team up until uh, that injury. Uh, just an up to date note. Apparently, he experienced some soreness after practice. He's still uh, there's still a hope that he's going to play tomorrow, but it sure feels like that uh, that light might have been dimmed a little bit today. Uh, but really, the, the free agency acquisitions were Dwayne Dedman, Trevor Ariza, and Rashawn Holmes. Two of those guys are gone. Yeah, and and almost predictable. Um, you know, with, with Trevor, he – I don't think he ever really wanted to be here. Um, you know, and, and that's been sort of his story throughout the last couple of years. And he went to Phoenix, took the money. They hated him in Phoenix. I mean, just kind of top to bottom. And um, he he was dogging it and taking a bunch of shots he shouldn't have been taking. And when he went to Washington, Scott Brooks loves veterans and really embraced the idea of Trevor Ariza, you know, uber playmaker. And um, so he did that stuff there. And when he got to Sacramento, I think he didn't feel like he should be coming off the bench. Um, And then, he was mailing it in on a pretty regular basis. I mean, you just saw some of the stuff where just jogging back and I would, you know, I've caught some film of it and sent it out on Twitter and, you know, people have slowly caught on that, Hey, you know, just cause it's Trevor Ariza, you know, great name, you know, from about five years ago, doesn't mean he's playing great defense all the time. And you're going to see him now what he's already doing in Portland. It's a better situation. They're, the games are, are, you know, more important. He's playing next to Damian Lillard. He's not going to take any of that guff. And he's more engaged. They need him to play. They need him to shoot even, you know, because they're, they're short on players. Mm-hmm. And he's already, you know, doing better up there for them. And, and you send down Kent Bazemore, who, because of his knee injury, isn't the guy he was even, say, two years ago. Um, but the, the dynamics are a little bit better. I think Kent wants to, um, you know, come in and prove that he can play hard, play defense. And so that trade actually worked. The Kings have gotten pretty lucky with both of those situations and in, in getting out of them. And, uh, you know, now they just got to figure out that path forward. Can you clarify for us? Did money magically appear after this Dwayne Dedman deal to suddenly pay Bogdan Bogdanovich? <laughs> I'm, I'm asking for a friend. I know. I, you know, this has been, I, I will say this, that, that this season seems to have marked a change in the way that the Kings are covered because I think there's a few more media outlets doing it now. I think Kings media at large is, is really fed up with the, the, the stuff that gets sold to them on an every year basis. And, um, this idea that now they have enough cash for Bogdan Bogdanovich is just more um, of the top of the, the media. I don't know if you want to call it food chain or the, the people with the loudest voices or the people that, you know, sort of work with or for the team. Well, it's the only voices. Like I can speak from experience. There's not much local sports talk radio anymore. <laughs> and the local sports <laughs> talk radio that does exist uh, those people are directly aligned with the Sacramento Kings, and so people hear that stuff. But you're right; the difference is, I think people are hearing it now, going, "Wait a minute, that's that's not true. That's BS." Yeah, you know, I think the thing that that really is just unfortunate about it is, I don't care if you work for the Kings and, and you're gonna paint everything in a rosy, you know, with the purple colored glasses or whatever. That's cool. Like, I get it. Like, that's where you get paid, right? But when you get out there and start calling people idiots or morons 
you know, I've been called more on by two people that work with the Kings. Oh, good. And, and their takes were wrong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, they were really wrong. And, you know, it's, to me, that's the unfortunate part because you want, I think a good team, a good organization should want media to be good. Like you're going to, the media is going to push the team and vice, you know, kind of not vice versa, but like, if the media is constantly telling you that your bad ideas are good, you're never going to learn anything. You know, if, if you get a good, smart media, that's going to tell you, you know, around the edges of what you're doing, Hey, this is, this isn't good. This isn't good. And, you know, maybe you should look at this. You're actually doing that thing that Vivek talked about when he first got the team, which is crowdsourcing. Mm-hmm. And so that that's a little bit disappointing, but the, um, what I have seen, is a lot of pushback out there for some of these bad ideas that get put out there at the highest levels that are constantly dogging the Kings and the and, and, and really Kings fans at the end of the day. So um, I'm, I'm interested to see if the, that there's a little shift in the way the media covers the Kings and if that has a positive impact on the team or not. But um, yeah, no Bogdan is, is an interesting piece right now. Um, he to me, based on people I talked with, it felt like about a month ago they made the choice that they were going to keep him. Yeah. And that um, maybe maybe they made that choice right around the time the talks with L.A. started perking up. Mm-hmm. Um, they they offered Bielitsa for um, Kuzma, and then they came back and asked for Bogey. And maybe, who knows? Maybe that solidified a decision to keep Bogey. But um, now. And I know like Kings fans across the board want to keep bogey. And I totally get it. Like, you know, good players are hard to come by. Um, but, you know, it, it reminded me a lot of the Harrison Barnes situation, you know, telegraphing it in advance. And I understand they're trying to tamp the market down. You know, if you tell, tell the entire league that, hey, we're, we're definitely re-signing this guy. We're matching anything that you come up with. You know, more te- teams are not going to want to put that offer out there. Um, but... There's a lot of bad money, you know, locked up on this team, you know, with, with Harrison Barnes and you're already connected to Fox, which is an obvious move. Uh, Marvin Bagley is, is the elephant in the room. Boy, yeah, that's not as obvious as the last time you and I talked. <laughs> it sure felt Ooh. obvious at the time. It's not as obvious anymore. Yeah. At least for me. I mean, maybe I sit oh, alone no. on this island. Like I, no, it, no. This you're, guy, he can't play with other players right now. That's well, the that's the hard part. He can't play at all. Like I, I think well, that's what's <laughs> scaring fans the most is like it, it it's it's one thing like okay you know you you hear people whether it's fans or media people and I, I I've done it and will continue to do it. You see a player play bad that you believe has potential. It's well they're gonna develop. Like don't it's it's all right. The problem with you know Bagley right now is. He can't play, and I think that more than anything is what's scaring Kings fans because now, you know, you go to social media or you go to the, you know, our podcast text line here, and you see, like, fans are now calculating how many games he's played in his NBA career. They're calculating the percentage of games that he's missed, and that percentage is starting to get really, really high. Yeah, I mean, small sample size, so that's, you know, an issue there, but... um foot issues in big men also scare people yeah. so we'll just go yeah. down the list of things that scare people but yeah. this one feels a little minor and it also the team is so invested in telling people that this season's all about injuries and 
that's another sign of a of a organization that's not quite, you know, I get that there's an optics game that all teams play. They all want to make things seem better than they are, but at some level, the better organizations will just sit there and let you know, yeah, we laid an egg. And and it sort of signals to everybody involved, like we get it, you know, we made the mistake, we learned from it, we're moving on. With the four-year deals given to Vlade and Luke Walton, the decision seems to have already been made, like we're going to war with these guys no matter what it looks like. And so for Bagley, if you've got an if you've got a minor foot injury and the team's been preaching that injuries have changed this season, you know, having him sit the X amount of games and just play it safe. You know, it's kind of an easy sell all the way around. It's you know, Marvin and his camp, hey, do you want to risk injury, you know, or, or do you want to try to get this right? And then internally, yeah, if we don't have Marvin Bagley, we can continue to sit here and tell people that injuries have changed the season, which, I mean, yes, injuries have changed it to a small degree, but you still evaluate the game based on what you see. And what we're seeing is a team that's undisciplined, doesn't know what it's doing. You know, the list kind of goes on and on. They're slow, you know, and that sums up the Kings season in a nutshell because not a damn thing's gone right for them. <laughs> I want to run through a couple of things here. We could, we could do it really quickly because you just mentioned bad money uh, that's here on the Sacramento Kings. And I want to make sure here is the trade deadline has come and gone that we're clear on Jabari Parker. What's his contract status moving forward? He's at about seven million uh, this year and next. He has the player option for next year. So, if he comes in, and this is the interesting question about what I what I wonder what they're going to do, because let's say Bagley doesn't play another game this season, then you know you still have Bielitsa, and I have a footnote there. Um, you, you have Parker, you have Holmes, who's theoretically back on Friday, uh, even though he said his shoulder's sore. Mm-hmm. You got Harry Giles. You know, what are you, that, that whole situation is a total mess. And then Alex Len, who really, I mean, you kind of need somebody like him against, um, you know, teams that have either two bigs or if you're trying not to burn Rashawn Holmes out so much, you know, you, you might want to look at him rather than sticking Harry Giles out there who's you know, 50 pounds lighter than the guy he's covering. So that, to me, I'm wondering, are they going to cut, you know, are they going to try to play Bielitsa and Parker at the same time and have the league's worst defense? Are they, um, you know, going <laughs> to send one of these guys, you know, packing or, or just plant them on the bench and not play them? And then when Marvin comes back, you even got more of a log jam. So, uh, yeah, yeah, Parker, um, $7 million, if, if he plays, you know, like he landed in Atlanta, they needed him to produce. He went out there and, you know, put up a ton of big numbers early in the season. If he does something like that, he probably doesn't want to opt into that number. Yeah. If he uh, doesn't play at all. He'll probably opt into that number. Uh, belly a player option next year? Uh, you know, that one, I thought he had an unguaranteed deal, oh, but okay. I am admittedly not a cap guy. I, I would love to spend all my time researching cap stuff, but I need to do that. Like, I need a hole in the head. <laughs> um, but he was the guy that was supposed to get the – you know, the interest on the trade market and sort of be an expendable piece for the Kings. Yeah. Uh, quickly looking him up. It's, it's an, a non-guaranteed deal for next year. So he's essentially a team option. Yeah. Okay. And um, a lot of people thought that, that somebody would pay a first round pick to get Bielitsa and that obviously wasn't going to happen. I'm sorry. Um, what? 
doubt. Where this was the, that out there? <laughs> Never mind. You don't have to. Answer I know. That. I, know, I, I know. like, the, for the, goodness sakes. It's the, 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 what has happened with the Kings as long as I've covered this team is they start at the point of optics telling you how good all these bad decisions are. And then it gets repeated over and over again throughout the various places. And now all of a sudden the Montebiolites has had a great year, even though whether using the eye test or using the stats, you know, that's just simply not the case. And um, yeah, so no team was going to pay a first round pick to bring him in and just get toasted on defense and, and possibly be outside of their rotation. So, um, but man, but when he's good offensively, he's really good. Like he can make an impact on that side of the floor. You have to, I, I, here's the, the, I wish that I didn't have to tell people the bad news that he's not as good as they think he is, because I do really like his offensive game. I think a player like that, if you are going to keep him in your rotation, cause you have to find, you know, the Kings have had to keep him in the rotation this year. And, and that's, you know, that's what it is. Um, but if he's not performing on offense, you're playing four on five defensively, no matter how many times they want to tell you that he's a high basketball IQ guy. Yeah. Um, so, but when, when he gets going, and especially with his ability to stretch the floor, that it, it, the, 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 the line there is, is probably right around 20 points. If he's scoring you 20 points, then he's kind of broke even for you. If, if he's going over that like he has done in the past, and yeah, he's having a pretty good game. Speaking of basketball IQ, that's something that comes up regularly on our post game podcast, and I and I try to be careful with this, but is low basketball IQ perhaps an issue with this roster? <laughs> that's the nicest uh, way I could put it. Like I, I I don't I didn't I don't know any other way to frame it. That's the nicest way I could put it. You know, I I think there's an element of how that term is used with the guy that uses it the most that that some someday some folks should evaluate. Um, so I'll set that aside. I think that the team does suffer, like Buddy Hield, for example. Okay, I'll, I'll say it. I don't okay, care. thank you. I, yeah, I just well, didn't want to pick. I say it a lot, and I try like I. J- I think it's 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 unfair when you're not a basketball player to criticize another player's to to criticize a player's intelligence. I feel like basketball IQ is one of those terms that basketball players should use and we should be left out of it. But it's really difficult when you're watching the game and every single person sees the same thing except the one guy on the floor. That that's where it just becomes difficult. Like I don't know whether the term to use in this situation. I think it's fair for non-basketball players to 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 weigh in on basketball issues like i just point blank i just think that there's there's too many good examples of people who do that very well sure that's that's fair professional sports but like the the nuance involved with like buddy um first of all he gets a disproportionate amount of crap from the king's optics machine and it's an embarrassment to the team like you can't sit there and watch Corey joseph Olay for the 50th time and then pick the one thing he does out, you know, does well and, and say, this guy's a lockdown great defender. Yeah. And then Buddy makes a mistake and you were all over him. Yeah. And that happens all game long. Um, so I, I feel bad talking about it, but it is true that Buddy has, um, sometimes the game moves too fast for him. And, and I think players like him, it's not 
that they don't understand the game. I think that there's just sort of an emotional regulation with regard to the game that gets them moving too quickly. It's maybe the game's not moving so fast for them. They're just moving too fast for the game. Mm. And and his challenge throughout his career is going to be to slow down and and just sort of take that half beat step up instead of the full, you know, just the full throated go, 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 go. And um, that's why he actually thrives in an up-tempo situation is the game presents itself to him and makes the decisions for him, you know? And then in these half-court sets when he's on the ball, you know, he's got one of the loosest handles on the team and they're putting him in the, in the pick and roll and, and telling him he's got to make decisions in it. I, I kind of, um, you know, I, I commend them for their optimism you know, and, and for possibly training him for the future. But, you know, you got Bogdan Bogdanovich sitting on the side, you know, spotting up, watching this stuff go down. Um, you know, and that's cumulative as he makes mistakes, you know, you start to press more. When 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 the entire team is on you for every mistake that you've made, you start to press more. And I wonder about the pecking order in that locker room. It, it feels like they're playing for each other still. So there's no issues like that. But, um, man, when he makes a mistake, everybody lights up like a Christmas tree. Mm-hmm. Like, buddy, yeah. I can't believe you did that. And so it's uh, basketball IQ uh, collectively, though, just not to point out just buddy stuff like the veterans, Trevor Rezus chucking stuff before he left. Corey Joseph, if I see that guy dribble down to the, to the block <laughs> pick up his dribble and pivot three times before turning it over yeah. i mean uh and and that's another guy who i've been a big fan of you know throughout his entire career for how hard he's played um you know that but the coming to sacramento you've got a lot of those kinds of players that aren't quite there in that area and you've seen them take a step back this year a uh, couple of questions here before we wrap up and let you get back to work, Brew. Uh, one name that I don't think you have mentioned one time, and you may have mentioned the entire lineup here, uh, the entire roster, new and old. And this is a constant conversation uh, on the Sacramento Kings podcast. Does Luke Walton hate Yogi Ferrell? <laughs> no, he just, you know, they really love Corey Joseph. And this is a this isn't a Luke Walton thing. This is around the league. I mean, I mentioned Scott Brooks. He notoriously played Kendrick Perkins to the extent that they lost NBA title chances. Um, you know, coaches love veterans. And um, Dave Yeager, you know, loved himself some Zebo yeah. playing four on four on five. And uh, yeah, he um, Corey Joseph has cost this team quite a bit this year, and it's it sucks to say that because again, he plays hard. He, um, but as far as being a defender goes, you know, there's a lot of stuff he does with optics that, you know, picking up full court. Okay, cool. That's great. You know, absolutely admirable and doing a good job, you know, but crashing over screens with no regard because he's trying to be a high energy player, um, taking plays and breaking them off defensively because he wants to go get that steal. Then he's out of position over helping you know, um, not playing Yogi Ferrell, you know, Yogi is a guy that would be a great kickstarter to bring the pace of the team up. They've had trouble scoring with the second unit. I mean, he just is a great fit for this team, at least right now for what they need. And he can't get on the floor 
And that is because there's an organizational decision that Corey Joseph is the man. And uh, that along with the offense, which I'll, I'll say this, you know, in his favor, he's actually done a pretty good job hitting his three point shots when he's needed to um, you know, on some catch and shoot stuff. So he's at least bringing that, but the, the offensive rhythm, the tempo, the over dribbling, the, the way that the teams play don't basically cover him. I mean, all of that's been bad for this team, and it's really unfortunate because he could be good in a sort of 16-minute role um, or alternating with Yogi. You could just go matchup-based, but uh, it's an example of playing your contracts despite what you see on the floor. Yeah, I, I'm a Yogi Ferrell fan, man, and, and, and I hate that he's not getting as much run as I think he should. Also, I know you're busy running a, a media conglomerate over there at, at, at Hoopball and the Hoopball podcast networks and all that. But we have a rule when someone uses the pace word, the P word, as it pertains to the Sacramento Kings, uh, you have to take a drink. So uh, bottoms up with the, whatever your favorite is. Uh, it's come in quite handy uh, having the the old um, tequila bottle yeah, yeah. here next to the recording device as we're watching Luke Walton's press conference and he gets asked about pace or mentions the worst pace over and over again. We were going to change it to take a drink every time Luke Walton talks about watching film, but we determined <laughs> we determined we'd all be dead. So in an effort to not die, we went ahead and, you know, and I think that. somebody, somebody must've mentioned that to him because he like the other day he was about to say, I got to watch the film and he like changed it mid-sentence. I forget what he said. Well, it's it's also fascinating because another thing that we've noticed is he only watches film in games that they lose. If they win, <laughs> he saw all that live. But if they screw up, he's got to go back and he's got to He's got to watch. I got another one for the 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 bingo card. You know, a fan uh, did a good job. Hilarious bingo card for uh, Luke Walton press conferences. But he didn't have on there, and I'd like to see him add this. Is a block for in the middle of the TV interview, saying hi or bye to somebody that's walking by. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's great. That's good stuff. uh, You know. Let's end with Luke. Like what? Fifty yeah. games in. What do you? Where are you at? No, he's 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 really misread quite a bit. And um, I thought in the first ten games, he actually did a pretty good job establishing offensive tempo. You started to see the plays that that were that had one layer to them start to have two layers and then three layers, and then he started leaning into Rashawn Holmes a little bit. And really this team, I mean, they got to just go screen and roll with Sean Holmes over and over and over again until they hit a bunch of threes and get tired of hitting a bunch of threes. Cause it's that simple and it just balances everything out. And so they were starting to do that a little bit, but then it just all went to crap. And the idea that they had to build in a slow tempo to teach them playoff basketball and defense and all this narrative driven BS it's, it's really just, um, I don't know if that's a rookie or a young coach thing. If he's trying to emulate Phil Jackson, um, there's a couple times I've wondered how much Phil Jackson's influence has played because Phil was always known for, or at least his books would make him known for trying to teach these sort of bigger lessons, these longer arcs of, of development with, um, you know, players on the team. And, and in, in this case, they took the team's best asset, the running and, and just took it from them. And I also wonder how much Darren Fox has played a role in that. There was a comment that came out from Nick Riddell talking about um, Kobe's uh, impact on him. And, and Darren said, 
something along the lines of paraphrasing of, you know, you can't just run all the time. So altogether, you've seen this team slow down and it's, it's had that detrimental effect. Whether or not he can come up with um, sort of a job-saving move, because I do think, and actually I'll say this, a high-level source at the Kings told me that they do understand that this is a bleep show, mm-hmm. you know? And so it's not lost upon them that he has done a bad job. You know, I don't know that Vlade feels that way, but the organization at, at large, you know, understands that this is not good. Uh, so I think that in the middle of next season, if things don't look really, really good, then, um, you know, that might be the end of Luke Walton in Sacramento. Yeah, it's might really also hard. Be the end of, of Vlade. There too. you go. Um, that's that's what I was going to say. It's it's going to be really hard to get rid of Luke and not Vlade. Like, I feel like these two are married uh, and I feel like there, maybe there's, there's a, a lot, there, there's a lot at play. I, I, I guess the, the, I, I feel like from an outsider standpoint, these two should be married. And if Luke fails, especially midway through his second year, this is on Vlade and Vlade's got to go. Yeah. And how that happens is going to be, I think you're going to see, and, and people got to remember too, Vlade got brought into this situation because Pete D'Alessandro ran the Kings into the ground mm-hmm. and Vivek didn't really know where to turn. And so he turned to somebody that he felt he could trust because at the time D'Alessandro was leaking to everybody and their mother, all this bad stuff about the Kings. And, you know, some of it might've been actually somewhat accurate at the time, but by and large, he was kind of a bad actor, you know, for the team. And so he turned to Vlade, whose best attribute was his trustworthiness. And so Vlade fit a role at the time, but has since been exposed for, I mean, you got to be a student of the game. And, and I'm not saying Vlade is not a student of the game. He's obviously one of the best basketball players of all time. But like in terms of knowing the league front and back, I mean, Luke Walton said he had barely watched Rashawn Holmes play. And I got a question for any team that passed on that guy. How did you pass on that guy? You know, if it's your one job to be good at that, didn't you watch one second of Phoenix film and go, oh, yeah, we want that guy. He should be on our team. And Luke didn't have that and, and Vlad didn't have that. And the point being is the a lot of people in the NBA don't, they're not film rats. You know, they're not consuming every piece of material that's out there. And I don't think Vlade is that guy. And I don't know that there's enough people in the organization to supplement what he doesn't have in that area. Because uh, you're, you're seeing constant um, mis-evaluations of players with big names that don't have the game to back it up. And uh, yeah, it, it's going to be, they're going to have to probably do something since he's such a fan favorite. And, and I think he has earned the trust of people in the organization. And I think that people do respect him and like him. So they might have to move him out creatively, but that then opens up Pandora's box. If you try to move him into another position, you know, parallel position, and then bring the next guy in, yeah. you know, does that person have it's, autonomy? It doesn't sound like that. That doesn't even sound like it's going to work. I understand exactly what you're saying, but that's it's very Kings. That's tough. Yes, <laughs> it very much <laughs> is. Uh, Brewski, the basketball world is waiting for you to get back to work, my man. Thanks for carving out some time for us. We appreciate it. I appreciate it. it. I love talking with you. So, uh, hit me up anytime, man. We got a game tomorrow night at the golden one center, uh, the Miami heat. I do not believe this is going to be the new look Miami heat. Uh, but we will have the Miami heat in town. They are playing absolutely phenomenal ball. If you've only seen them that one time, 
They've played the Sacramento Kings. You've missed out on some good basketball, man. They're a hell of a team right now. They're dominant at home. But this game is at the Golden One Center. We'll see the, how the Kings are able to do. It's Friday night. We will have a podcast for you immediately following the Kings and the Heat. Is Luke Walton going to be watching film? Is anybody going to be talking about pace? Tune in tomorrow. Appreciate you for subscribing, listening, and all of that fun stuff. We'll see you here tomorrow on the Sacramento Kings podcast presented by Hoopball and the Hoopball Podcast Network.